you see Lord in this kind of a strange all caps thing going on, it is usually the word Yahweh, which is the name for God, a sacred name for God, Y-H-W-H. It's where we get the word Jehovah, but I, I won't get into all that this morning. Jehovah is actually a corruption of the Hebrew, but anyway, we won't get into all that because you'll be bored and you won't listen to the rest of me. So anyway... Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, a name for God. It was such a sacred name that the Jews wouldn't even write it. A lot of times the Jews wouldn't even say the name Yahweh. They tried to keep it as sacred as they possibly could. There's some people in our culture might need to learn about keeping God's name sacred. How about it? And I don't care what office they hold, they need to hold God's name sacred because wherever they are, God is above them. That's all I'll say about that this morning. But God's name is sacred, and we need to be careful about how we use it. But if you'll say, if just say the word with me, Yahweh. Don't do it quite yet. I'll, I'll tell you when to go. I want you to say the word Yahweh with me, and I want you to listen as we say that word together. So we're going to say the sacred name of God here this morning, and I want you just to listen to how it sounds. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Yahweh. Notice when you say the word Yahweh, you breathe out, then you breathe in. Yahweh. Yahweh. What that's actually telling us is God is the breath of life. He's the very ground of everything. He's the beginning of everything. He's the creator of everything. He is the ultimate being that has always existed. Yahweh, the breath of life. He's the one that puts breath in our bodies. He's the one that puts life inside of us. Yahweh. He's the self-determining one. When Moses came to him, he said, what's your name? God said, I am that I am. Some translations, or some, there, there's, a, there's a, 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 a kind of a meaning in there of God saying, I am whoever I want to be. You can't determine me. You can't change me. You can't do anything about me because I am God. You're not, but I am. And that's what God is saying. I am that I am. He's the breath of life, the self-determining one. And also in the Old Testament, when you see that word LORD in all caps, that's usually used in a context of God relating to his people. Other times there's a word Elohim that's used in the Old Testament. A lot of times it's translated God Almighty, and that's when God is working in his might. And in God that knows every hair that's numbered on your head. I pulled out some gray ones this morning. He subtracted those from my head. God knows how many hairs are on my head, and he knows how many hairs are on your head. God knows every cell that's in your body. God knows your thoughts, your inmost thoughts. You don't even necessarily recognize your most inmost thoughts. God does. God does. He's a relational God. He's the breath of life. That's Yahweh. There's a second word for God in here. There's a second name for God, and that is shepherd. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. In Hebrew, that word is roi, R-O-I, but it's pronounced roi. God who is my shepherd. Yahweh, roi. God is my shepherd. He's the one that leads me. He's the one that instructs me. He's the one that protects me. He's the one that gets me from point A to point B. One of the things, I, I think it's so funny that the Bible uses the, the illustration of sheep to talk about God's people because if you know anything about sheep they're not the brightest bulbs on the tree 
They're not the smartest animals in the world. And it's funny that God uses that to talk about us because sometimes I'm like that too. God's trying to tell me something. He's trying to get me somewhere, and I'm not listening to him, and he has to keep working on me. I said, that's why I got saved at eight years old. That's why the Lord reached down and touched my heart, and I began to believe in him at eight years old because he said, man, if I wait too long on this guy, there's not going to be enough time to get him right. i got to save him early. Okay, so, but he's the Lord who's my shepherd. He leads me along. He walks beside me. I'm going to give away my other material if I go too far on that, but he is Yahweh Roe. He is God who is my shepherd. Are you thankful that God's a shepherd to you this morning? Are you thankful that he walks beside of you? He's so good to us. So that's who my shepherd is. When is he my shepherd is a second question that we might bring to this text that we might bring to the 23rd Psalm. When is God my shepherd? Well, it says the Lord is my shepherd. Not the Lord was my shepherd, although that could be true. Many of us have been walking with him for several years, many years. He, will be, he can be my shepherd in the future. As long as I keep in relationship with him, he will be my shepherd. So he, there can be a future tense to that. But this says the Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd right now. He's my shepherd when I need him. Where, whatever I'm walking through, we've already talked about it a little bit this morning, the storms of life, the problems that come into life, the fears, the pains, everything that we have. No matter what we're going through, he is my shepherd. Right now, in the present tense, God is my shepherd. When I need him, he's always there. He's not busy. He's not looking at his smartphone and not paying any attention to me. He's not off doing something else. He's not taking a nap. He doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber. When I need God, he's my shepherd. When I need God, he's right there for me. The Lord is my shepherd. Present tense. And he's always on time. You might think he's late, just like they did at the tomb of Lazarus. They thought he was late. They thought he had waited too long. But no, God showed up at just the right time that he might get glory and his power might be revealed to the people. God's always on time. If you feel like he's late in your situation, if you feel like he's waited too long, you're wrong. He's God. He's coming. He'll always be on time, and he'll always come through for us. He is my shepherd right now. And the last thing I don't want you to miss in that point, don't miss the point that he's my shepherd. Don't miss the point that he is my personal shepherd. Now, I know he's our shepherd. He leads us together as a flock. He leads us together as a group. We're a family. We talk about that. It's not just me doing this Christian thing by myself. It's not just you doing this Christian thing by yourself. It's all of us. We are a group. And so he is our shepherd, but he's also my shepherd. He knows me personally. He walks with me personally. He knows my frame. He considers sometimes I'm just animated dust. I'm just animated dust, but he put life in me, and he loves me anyway. He cares about my pain. He cares about my path. He is mine, and I am his. What a great truth. That should bless your heart this morning. He is your shepherd. He is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David doesn't stop there. He goes on. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Other translations, I love studying multiple translations because you get different insight as you study more than one translation. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The NIV says, I lack nothing. I like that translation. There's nothing I need that I lack. There's nothing I need that I don't have through God. Now, some of my wants I don't always get, 
but my provides my every need. I shall not want. The New Living Translation pretty close says, I have all that I need. Everything I need, God has provided. Church, do you have all that you need this morning? Do you have all your needs met in Him? I can think of th troubles I have. I can think of things I'm going through. But at the end of the day, I can say all my needs are met in Jesus Christ. All my needs are met in Jesus Christ. You guys know and it wasn't too long ago, kind of unexpectedly, our heat and air system went out. But I can tell you today that we have a new heat and air system. And it's been cool during this heat wave and it's felt good. And the Lord has provided that need for us. God provided that need. I can go to the refrigerator and I can open it up and I've got food in there. I can microwave it up. I'm trying to be careful about how I do that right now, what I eat. But it's there. It's provided for me. I've got a church family that I can come to. And I can talk to you guys every Sunday morning. And I can hug you and I can love on you. And you encourage me and I encourage you. And we walk this thing together and I have that need met. I have a wonderful wife who walks beside of me, encourages me. Sometimes she probably encourages me more than she should. Sometimes she should say, Brent, that was, a, that was dumb. You shouldn't have done that. But she says, no, I know your heart. I know you've got a good heart. She encourages me. I have four children that God has blessed me with. They are healthy. I have all that I need. I have, and then some. I have all that I need and then some in him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or we can translate it, I have everything that I need. God has met all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Wow, that's good, y'all. That's good today. We ought to be a little more excited about that than we are. God has met all our needs. He's good to us. David continues on, though. He says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. God cares about the condition of your soul. That's one of the reasons we sang that song this morning, It Is Well With My Soul. Can you say that this morning? Can you say it is well with your soul? I'm pretty transparent with you guys. A couple of years ago, I went through a couple of years of depression. I couldn't say necessarily during that time that everything was well with my soul. But the song we sang this morning during that time was one of my favorite songs to sing because it reminded me that although I wasn't necessarily happy, although everything that didn't, hadn't gone necessarily according to plan and the way that I wanted it to, deep down I still had the joy of the Lord as my strength. He was still my Savior. I could still keep pressing on. The world might have seemed to have been collapsing around me, but He was still there. He was still in control. He still loved me. And so even though it wasn't well with my soul, it was still well, well with my soul. There was a deeper thing that was still in place. There was a deeper rock that could not be moved. God cares about the condition of our soul. And he wants us to say it is well. But for that to happen, this, this scripture tells us, for us to have a soul health, to be in good care of our soul, sometimes we need to lay down. I said it the country way. We need to lay down. I'll say it the proper way. We need to lie down. But we need to lay down. We need to rest. Sometimes if we won't do that, our kids, I don't know, those of you who have younger kids, our kids sometimes don't want to go to sleep. And during the summer, school's out. We homeschool the rest of the year, and so we make them go to bed a little earlier when we're doing that. But right now, you know, we'll let them have a little more time at night to stay up and do the things that they like to do and that sort of thing. But sometimes they get so wired up 
and they just want to keep going and they want to keep whatever they're doing, playing a video game or watching a movie or whatever, they'll get wired and they'll just keep going. They should have stopped. They should have rested. They should have taken a lay down, but they didn't do that. Instead, they keep, kept going. And all of a sudden, just like a switch flips, we got a kid that's just as ill as they can be. They're not happy, they're angry, they're cranky, they're driving their siblings crazy, and sometimes we'll have to say, you need to go lay down. You need to go to bed. Go on to bed. You, you're driving us crazy right now. Go on to bed and get you some rest because you're not yourself right now. We're the same way, though. We're the same way. Sometimes we go so long, we go so hard in this life, and God says, I want your soul to be taken care of, so you need to rest. That's why I think it's so wise uh, I'm so appreciative. Jennifer Walker, who has been our WANA's director, she's done that faithfully for several years now. And she said, I need a semester off. I need a semester to take a break from leading that group on Wednesday nights. I want to be an adult for one Wednesday night. And I'm so thankful for the work she's done, but I'm also thankful for the wisdom of her saying, I need to take a break. I need to sit down. I need to rest. I need to have my soul refreshed and my soul restored. And sometimes if we don't do that, God will make us lie down. Sometimes God will allow something. I'm not saying he causes it, but sometimes God will allow something into our life that will make us slow down, that will make us stop, that will make us look around and see this world he's created, that will make us count our blessings. It's way better if we have the wisdom to do it on our own. But sometimes God makes us lie down in green pastures. Sometimes he leads us beside those still waters to refresh us. And one way or another, God wants to restore our soul. He wants to restore the very core of who we are. David continues on. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let me read that one again. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Notice that word right at the beginning of that. That means something. Righteousness for his name's sake. How many of you know that there are more than one path that you there's more than one path that you can take through this life? You have free will, at least you have a certain amount of free will. You can choose paths in this life. And we've all seen people who were on the right path and they got on the wrong path and we've seen what happened to them and we've seen people who were on the wrong path and they made a decision to get on the right path and we have seen what happens to them. If we go all the way back to Psalm chapter 1, which it was at the end of 2016, I preached a whole series on Psalm chapter 1. But Psalm chapter 1 is an introduction to the whole book of Psalms. All 150 book, or chapters are introduced in Psalm chapter 1. And basically what Psalm chapter 1 says is there's two paths you can take in this life. And all the Psalms are there to give us wisdom so that we might stay on that right path but it says there's two major ones see if you guys remember this from about three years ago three or four years ago it says there is a road of the righteous and there is a way of the wicked and you get to choose what what amazes me about Christians now or people who claim to be Christians or churchgoers or whatever label I don't know their hearts God does but it seems like we are trying to straddle and we're trying to walk in both roads we want half of ourselves to go this way, half of ourselves to go this way. We're on the fence, but there's no way to walk down two roads at once. It's going to split you in two. It's going to break you up. You've got to make a decision. Put it this way, it's an old saying. Sometimes I, I see Christians, it seems like they want to have their cake and eat it too. Or they want to have God in the world too. God says, no, that won't work. You've got to make a choice. There's two paths. I'm down one of them, destruction's down the other. Which one do you want to be on? 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness. If we will let Him, if we will feed our mind on His Word and not so much on the culture around us, He will speak to us. He will lead us in the paths of righteousness. If we will pray and we'll seek His face, He'll get us attuned to what the Holy Spirit is doing and He'll lead us in the paths of righteousness. All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? He will lead us if we'll let Him lead us in those paths of righteousness. Psalm 119 and verse 9 says, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. By obeying, not, tr not, not trying to change the word, not trying to water the word down, not trying to make the word fit our life, but try to make our life fit the word. If we will do that, He will lead us in the paths of righteousness. I got a question I just want you to think about for a second. I want you just to reflect on this this morning. If someone had to believe in God or reject God based on your actions alone, your personal actions alone, would they be a Christian or not? If somebody watched your life from the outside, if they were able to see what went on in your life, and they had to make their decision about whether they would follow Jesus or not based on your life, would they be a Christian or would they not be a Christian? I don't, I don't want an answer. Please don't answer this morning. I just want you to think that through today. Based on the actions of your life, would you lead them toward Christ and toward the path of righteousness or would you lead them away? And I want to end that part by saying this. They are. They are watching your life. They might not have ultimate insight, but if you wear the name of Jesus Christ, people are watching your life to see how you act. They're wanting to see, is this Christian thing real? Because they've seen enough hypocrites, I can tell you that. They're looking for somebody who's really living the life. Are you living the life? Would your life direct somebody toward Jesus or away from Jesus? It's something we all need to wrestle with. David goes on, and he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff... They comfort me. What's a valley? What's a valley? A valley is a place of darkness between two places of light. And there are times in our lives we walk through the dark. There are times in our lives, I, I love when I'm on the mountain. You ever been up on the mountain? We were at a church uh, Monday night. We were at an ordination service on a church in Roanoke, Virginia that's literally on top of a mountain. And you could look around and you could see clouds and you could see other mountains. And it was just a beautiful place. It was great to be up on the mountain. But you can't stay up on the mountain in this life. There are valleys we're all going to have to go through. You're going to have to come down sooner or later. And the great thing about God is he's there on the mountain and he's there in the valley. He's there in the light and he's there when it seems dark. Man, there's a lot of, there's a lot of valleys we can go through in life. Cancer is a valley financial poverty is a valley separation and divorce are valleys singleness when you want someone in your life that's a valley loneliness is a valley depression that's a valley anxiety you ever get anxious I know the word tells us not to be anxious but it's hard sometimes isn't it anxiety is a valley betrayal is a valley a friend that you loved a friend that you thought would never desert you they stab you in the back and that betrayal that's a valley that you have to walk through 
prodigal, chi- a prodigal child or prodigal children, that's a valley. A child you've raised and a child you've loved and they go a place that you never thought they would go and you're just sitting there and all you can do is pray and watch down the road and hope they come back home. I've never experienced that valley, but I have friends who have and what a valley that is to walk through. Insecurity. Not feeling good about yourself. Y'all, I'll just say this culture, this culture is so hard on women. The way they look, the way they speak, everything. This culture has created an image that's almost impossible for women to lead up, live up to. And they have to walk through that, and it can cause insecurity. And it's getting worse and worse on guys. It's getting worse and worse on guys, but that can create insecurity. That's a valley. Y'all, there's so many valleys, so many valleys that you might have to walk through. But when I'm in the valley, I know that it's dark. I know I can't see the way out, but I know that I have a shepherd with me who knows what's around the bend. I know I have a shepherd with me who's not going to desert me. He's not going to run off. He's not going to leave me to fend for myself. He's going to stay there with me, and he knows what's coming. He's smarter than I am. He knows more than I am. He has more wisdom than me, and he will lead me. If I'll just stay with him, he'll lead me out of that valley. And that's what David is saying. Even in the valley of the shadow of even death, you're still with me. I'm going to stick with the shepherd, and the shepherd is going to lead me past it. Y'all don't give up. I say this sometimes, but don't give up. Don't give up in the hard times. We have people in this church we loved, and they ran into a hard time, and they abandoned God, and they abandoned church, and we still love them, and our hearts break for them. But if they had just kept going, God was taking them somewhere. That wasn't the end of the journey. That was just a portion of the journey. Y'all keep walking. Don't give up. Stay with the shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He will lead you home. He will lead you home if you just stay with him. He has a rod. He has a staff. A staff is a hooked walking stick that pulls me out of bad places. You ever go the wrong way? Sometimes I'm starting the wrong way and the Holy Spirit grabs my heart and says, "Uh Uh-uh, I'm not letting you go down that way. So he takes that, that staff and he hooks it around my neck and says, No, you dumb sheep, come back this way. You're going the wrong way and he pulls me back. And then he has a rod and the rod is not for me. The rod is to beat up anything that's trying to attack me. We have enemies in this life, but God is bigger. We have enemies in this life, and he'll bash them across the head if they come after his sheep. I'm so thankful he has a rod and he has a staff to protect me. My shepherd knows where I'm going. Even through death, he leads me. David goes on. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I hear so many times from Christians this phrase, I just don't know how we're going to make it through. I don't know how we're going to make it through, but God is going to get us through this. I know I've got things working against me on every side, but God is still raising me up. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. Sang that song this morning too, didn't we? They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness, God. You are good to me. You are faithful to me. Can anybody give God some praise this morning that he is leading you through something bigger than you are, but he's bringing you through. You are in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, but you're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, and he's bringing you through. Can anybody just give him some praise today? Can you just praise him for what he's done?
in the presence of my enemies you have a table set for me and they can't touch me because you're there with me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. The sheep would get into briars and things and get their head all cut up and that could get infected and it could cause sickness and it could cause death. So the shepherd carried a vial of oil and he would bring that oil out and he would anoint the sheep's head and he would clean it up to make sure they were safe to protect their head. By the way, we have to have our minds protected. God wants to protect our minds. If our minds go wrong, everything else goes wrong. But in the Bible, oil is always a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so he's saying, I've given you a comforter. Even when you get cut up, even when you get bruised, even when bad things happen, I'm going to send you a comforter that will comfort you, that will continue to bless you, that will be like oil on your head to bring healing to you. God gives us the Holy Spirit. We live in Him, and He lives in us. And then because of that, our cup overflows. I want to be the kind of Christian that the life that God puts in me is too big for me, so it spills off into somebody else. And then it fills them up, and it spills off into somebody else, and it just overflows this life that He's given me. I hope you want to be that kind of Christian as well. And then David ends up surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, from an American standpoint, when we hear, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, we think about heaven. We think about that we're eventually going to be in our Father's house for eternity. And look, that's a good word, and I'm not discounting that. But actually, from a Jewish standpoint, when they first read this psalm, they probably wouldn't have thought of heaven as much as when it said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It meant, I will go to the temple. I will go into the presence of God. I will go to the place of worship. I will go there and I will offer my sacrifices and I will offer my gifts and I will stay in the house of the Lord for the rest of my life praising Him for how good He is. And I think that's a good meaning too. I like that meaning as well. Have you praised him for how good he's been to you? Have you praised him in the storm? Have you praised him when he's brought you through? Have you praised God this week in him? If you haven't, I'm going to give you a chance. We're starting off a new week. I'm going to give you a chance to praise him good at the end of this service. We've got this new song. I think we've only done it here once, but hopefully you guys kind of caught on to it the last time we did it. But it's about the goodness of God. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We're going to sing about how good God is. And I think it would be a shame. I think it would be a shame if you just sat there and watched. I think it would be a shame if you didn't lift your voice. And I know some of you sing prettier than others. It's okay. It's okay. We'll drown you out. If, you're, if you can't sing, we'll drown you out. You just join into the choir today. You guys are the choir, by the way. It would be a shame if you didn't praise Him. It would be a shame if you maybe didn't raise your hand and just... just Salute him as your king today. It would be a shame if the Holy Spirit told you to do something like come and, and kneel down here and just worship. It would be a shame if you didn't do that. It would be a shame if he told you to get up on the pew and raise both hands and give a shout of praise to the Lord. It would be a shame if he tells you to do it. It would be a shame if you didn't do it. It would be a shame if you couldn't magnify the goodness of God. I preached it today. I don't know how good I preached it, but I preached that he's good. And I preach that he's with us. And I preach that he's brought us through some things. And he will bring us through some things. And so I just think it would be a shame if we didn't praise him at the end here. Good today. Just real good. Just real good. Just if the devil's even around here just checking things out today, just make him go on away with the praise of God's people. If 
By the way, the Word says God inhabits the praise of His people. Now, I know He's going to call you. He's going to speak to you to do things decently and in order. That's the way He always does things. But maybe you need to get outside of your normal a little bit today and praise Him. Maybe you need to go the extra mile with Him and praise Him today. I don't know about you. My God has been good to me. He has been good to me. I don't know about you, but He's been good to me. So as we sing this song, we're going to give you a chance to praise His name. And you just do as the Holy Spirit leads today. God is good. Let's praise Him. Stand this morning as we sing. Now, church, 
I told you my God has been good. And I told you it would be a shame if you didn't praise his name. And I hadn't seen any boasting of the Lord yet. I've seen one person who's come up here and said, I want to worship him and I want to praise his name. So maybe I can break the ice this way. My God is good and I'm here to praise his name. I don't know why you came here today, but I came here to praise his name. Now let's get outside of ourselves just a little bit and praise God for his goodness. Let's not leave here leaving him unpraised. Let's exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Let's exalt God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? If you ain't ready, I'll give you a little more time. Are you ready? We're going to praise the name of God today. Let's do it, church. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your On the count of three, we're going to lift the name of Jesus. And I want the neighbors to hear us. I want the church down the road to hear us, okay? I want to lift the name of Jesus in this place. So with all your strength and to the top of your lungs, we're going to shout the name of Jesus before we leave here today. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. That sounds good. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Let us always be found speaking your name and living the life for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things, and we all said together, amen. 
I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless you.